Hello, this is Michelle Weston with Wellness Learning Curves 2.0 for Radio 360, talk show for women. We want to empower you. When I fell into the integrated worlds of patient advocacy and health and wellness coaching, I was attracted very much to patient advocacy and what it did. I knew the importance of it. And advocating for yourself or a loved one is key for addressing chronic conditions. You need an ally, a person, your person. That doesn't mean you don't have a spouse or a partner or kids around you, but sometimes you need someone who is a little more knowledgeable about advocating for yourself in the world, the landscape of healthcare, especially today, since we get like 15 to 18 minutes with a doctor. So I've asked Esther Book to tell us about her trip, her journey with her chronic condition. Esther, how are you? I'm good, Michelle. How are you? It's great to have you. Thank you for coming on and talking to the women out there listening. So let's start with when were you diagnosed with your chronic condition? I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in May of 2021. Wow. That's a second ago, especially during COVID. That must have been very interesting. It was a little crazy. Yes. (laughs) Did you have a lot of hospitals or doctors you had to go to? And was it hard to see them? Um, You know, there were certainly many COVID questionnaires and passes I needed to get for myself. Um, But, you know, I learned to navigate within those parameters. That's great. I know you're in Pennsylvania. It's always nice to tell people where you're where you're um, coming in from, since I want people from around the country. What was your reaction when you were given the diagnosis? Did you get an immediate answer or did you have to go through stages? You know, I felt so frustrated when I was first diagnosed, like a wave of disappointment just washed over me. I had been seeing doctors and taking every test imaginable for the previous two years. And I had been requesting MRIs of my brain for at least six months prior. My neurologist directed me to sports medicine specialists who thought it was a pinched nerve, chronic compartment syndrome, or a leg injury for a long time because my gait was just abnormal. But MS was my third autoimmune disorder, and I felt like my neurologist had failed me by not administering the proper test, just to rule that out. I had tried to advocate for myself and seek medical attention, but that effort did not yield results for a very long time. I'm sorry to hear that. It is frustrating, especially when you're dealing with neurologists, you learned how important it is to see a MS neurologist. There's lots of great neurologists out there, but sometimes we have to get a specialty, a really narrow specialty in order to get the kind of care that you want. I know you're active. I know you're busy. You, you know, you're, you've got a big full life with lots of things to do and places to go and people to see. So being limited must've been very, very frustrating. It definitely was. And my initial reaction was to be aggressive 
to improve my situation. Once diagnosed, I saw MS specialists at the Cleveland Clinic, the International MS Management Practice, called the IMSMP in New York, and Penn Medicine in my hometown of Philadelphia. I quickly got on the medication called Ocrevus by June of 2021 to try to stop disease progression, but I had already suffered impairment of my left leg. So I started working with a trainer four times a week to build my strength during doing PT twice a week that is guided by the IMSMP. Great. Doing Pilates twice a week, getting acupuncture weekly, seeing a functional medicine doctor, adding supplements and improving my diet so that I could reduce inflammation in my body. And has it helped you in other areas in regards to um, improving your diet? I know you said you have some other autoimmune conditions. Has it helped that in, in changing your diet? And I know with Pilates, it's great for core strength. Have you seen a difference? Has that been helpful? You know, they're all things I'm working on. I, I have seen some improvement, especially in my core and my left leg strength, because there was such a imbalance initially. So I have improved some of those things. I guess I've certainly read Terry Walls and have this kind of overwhelming hope in food. <laughs> I think it's a great hope. Now, I think it's a great help out there. You know, you guys, I talk about that integrative health and integrative nutrition. Terry Walls is a MD and she developed MS and she had very, very serious MS. She was in a wheelchair and a lot of things. And Ms. Wall, Dr. Wall said, nope, I'm going to find other ways to do this. So many of us use Terry Wall. So it's T-E-R-R-Y Wall, W-H-A-L. She's written a number of books. And she really feels that using complementary integrative tools makes a difference. So when I asked Ms. Esther about food, we're eating darker greens. Anyone with inflammation, especially in the nervous system, the darker the green is, the better off you are. You're getting more nutrients from it. Staying away from things like processed foods. So you're looking for things that are much more complex. Even with your carbohydrates, you're looking for brown rice. You're looking for things that have more value, have better grains that haven't been broken down as much. It's also true about sugar. For some of us, sugar can make our hands hurt. It can really take up the inflammation and you could get, you know, pain in your hands, pain in your feet. Some people have said that that's what they've experienced, but changing your diet towards a more Mediterranean diet towards, and for Dr. Wall, a more paleo diet, which is in the same line, really has helped a lot of people. Dr. Wall is now out of a wheelchair and she is a poster person for if you take control and you grab grab the bull by the horns and go out there and do what you can, it does make a difference because we have a job as patients, right, Esther? There are things that we can do. The doctors have medicine and watching that and giving us the best care in a medical way. But we can do things like build up our core strength with Pilates. And I love Pilates. I know you're doing it now. And I always think it's a great exercise. Yoga is great for that. Qigong, Tai Chi. 
And if you're in a big city, you could probably find groups in the park doing Qigong and Tai Chi. It lets you connect to your body, to yourself. And when you're more connected, there's less imbalance issues. There's a better chance for you to be able to find your footing because you'll be more grounded. And that's what these exercises, these physical activities can do for you with a chronic condition that's especially more neurological. So where are you now in your journey? Are you looking at any studies? Are you finding it? Which leg are you, you have more, is it drop foot that you have in your right leg? It's drop foot I have in my left leg. Left leg, sorry. That's okay. You know, and it's one of those things I feel like I've really tried to improve my diet. And I think those things help. I guess I was hoping like Terry Wall, I would just sort of walk like a normal person as soon as I ate better. And I, <laughs> and I don't really feel that necessarily, but you know, my doctors often tell me, just imagine what your symptoms would be like if you didn't eat this way. You I know? agree. I and agree. So I feel like it's, it's just good. I mean, sometimes the game with these diseases is not to worsen. And I find that a frustrating game because I'm all about improvement. But, you know, I think I'm starting to look to participate in some research studies and also to be sort of at that later stage of like, you know, stage three after we've gone through the placebos and all that. <laughs> I try to get in there a little bit later, but I just want to try to improve because I feel like the medical world is changing every day. There's progress to be made. There are new treatments to be had. And I just try to get myself out there, make doctors aware that I'm interested in that. And they're often accommodating, I think. That's great to hear. I'm glad you have doctors that you could talk with and really listen now because, you know, you need a partnership because this is something, you know, with multiple sclerosis, we don't have a cause yet. So when you don't have a cause, it's hard to state the cure. And when she's talking about IMSMP, I know that they're doing, along with Cleveland Clinic, both of them actually have from the National Institutes of Health, are both granted to work on regenerative stem cells. And they are working, they've been working the last four, five, six years on this. And I think that the first group is just coming up to see how people are doing. I know that Dr. Sadiq, who is the director of IMSMP and the Tisch MS Research Center, he said that they're looking to get everyone's journals and the last pieces in by the end of the year. So we're looking at that going to what happens next is it goes to the FDA and the CDC, so the Center for Disease Control, and we're going to see what happens with how well everyone's done, which he feels that there's been enough good things coming out of the regenerative medicine with the patients he's seen. And by the way, he sees patients that are relapsing, remitting patients, and that's your first level of diagnosis. And you could stay there for 20 years. You really can. If you have your symptoms monitored and they maintain where they are, you can go along your life and do your thing. I know that Esther is dying to get on a tennis court. So for her, 
the faster, the better. And I certainly like that she feels that way because taking that initiative is important. Then they had also secondary and primary people who were in the study. They did not limit it. They also didn't limit it by age. So it wasn't like a cutoff at 50, which is good for those of us with MS that are diagnosed later. Um, we could be diagnosed in our 30s or 40s and even our 50s. And it's nice to know that there isn't a cutoff at a young age for a study. There are other studies going on. The drug that the infusion, which is an infusion that normally takes about four hours of Ocrevus that Esther is on, is a great new infusion. And it is one that has helped people. You do it twice a year. And so every six months. And it really helps people hold their position. It's not going to make you better. It's going to let you stay where you are. So it's, it's copacetic. You're going to be right where you are. And it's different for everybody. Some of us have been through a lot of drugs. We've sort of, yeah, gone through a number of them. And it started in the mid-1990s when they started to develop Avonex and Betaserin and Copaxin, which were all injections. And they were given either intramuscular or they were given into your belly or your butt or the, or the uh, fleshy part of your body, subcutaneous. And those worked for a long time for a lot of people. But as the years have gone by and the decades, we've seen more and more finessing of the medications. There are people that take pills. There are people that, so you can do it orally, you can do it through an infusion, you can do it through an injection. So we have a lot of different choices and everybody's symptoms are different. So that's why it's so important to get with a good doctor who goes, okay, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I think is going to be the best for you and taking their lead. It's also important to remember, as Esther was talking about, physical therapy is really important because in order to keep our balance and our gait, especially when it affects that, you want to strengthen your leg muscles and your core muscles so that you have that. We're given exercises do daily. Do all of us do them daily? Not so much, but you know what? I think it's really important to see a physical therapist. A lot of the centers have someone. They have occupational therapists too. Sometimes you need tools that help you in regards to working. So if you were a person that looked at a lot of paperwork during the day, the person may say, you know what, use a colored ruler or use a colored file and put it underneath where you're reading. Because sometimes you have people who have a eye symptom and they can't see as well. So any of those tools and tips are really, really helpful. There's a naturopath here at the IMSMP. And I think that that was a great addition that Dr. Sadiq and his team added about ah, eight, 10 years ago because it made a difference with a lot of the patients. Like Esther was saying, a lot of people had been eating, like Dr. Wall had said, darker greens, less sugar, less processed foods, less red meat. Those things just, they aggravate and agitate the nerves. And if we can keep them quiet, it's much, much better. So what's your support system like? Who do you have around you that are helping you? I am really fortunate because I have a great support system. My fiance is very helpful and understanding, and so is my family. My sisters and my mom are really in my corner and often go to doctor's appointments with me. 
My fiance cooks great meals for me with the right foods and spices to be anti-inflammatory and healthy. My three kids are supportive too and check in with me often about how I'm feeling. One of my daughters attends infusions with me and she makes them a lot more pleasant. I also made a very good friend in my community who has MS. She's largely asymptomatic and she really inspires me. I also have really supportive girlfriends too. So I feel lucky for that. You are. I'm glad to hear that. It's important to have people around you going through it with you. You know, some people really love having someone to talk with for a three or four hour infusion. It's a long infusion. Sometimes people really like having that, having, it's almost like having lunch with your girlfriend or your spouse or your partner or your kids when you're sitting there and having your daughter there is kind of nice to uh, catch up on everything. You do a lot of things for yourself. Is there anything from integrative tools for you that you think stands out? Do you think that the nutrition part stands out, the, the uh, physical activity, you know, shifting those stands out, or do you think it's a combination? I definitely think it's a combination and also really maintaining a positive outlook and always looking to challenge myself physically and mentally. Like I'm back in school, which has been helpful. That's fabulous. I'm always reading about new developments and I sort of gravitate toward those doctors like Dr. Sadiq, who you've mentioned, and Dr. Walter Cohen at the Cleveland Clinic, who are trying to eradicate the disease. Like I look, because I think a lot of MS can be about maintenance and that's okay. I mean, I certainly don't want to get worse, but I, I want to be moving forward and taking risks to try experimental treatments that my doctors recommend for me. And, you know, it's sort of reoriented my life since I got this disease. Like I have to spend a lot of time working on my strength and doing different things to challenge myself with that. You know, recently I was prescribed a walking program that I'm working on. (laughs) Walking is actually the hardest thing I do. And I find myself jealous of people who can walk, which is pretty much everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Are you you using the walking sticks? Like when you go hiking, the big walking sticks, are you using any, any, uh, a cane or anything, or how are you doing the, 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 the walking? You know, I, I'm right now I'm doing it independently, but I did order those activator walking sticks and I saw Christina Applegate had these cool cane. So I was like, okay, I'll order one of those. Aren't they <laughs> beautiful? I saw those, right. I saw those in a P in an article. They were gorgeous. Christina Applegate has this collection of the most beautiful, beautiful canes I've ever seen. So she's taking it and grabbing the bull by the horns as well as Selma Blair. Right. Right. I know she's an interesting one because she was doing dancing with the stars and doing really, really well. But it was really challenging her nervous system. And I was sad that she had to drop out because just with her specific symptoms for her, it was too challenging. You'll hear people with MS say, I have chronic neurological fatigue. Many people really need to pace themselves for the day to make sure that they don't run out of steam and also learn how to reboot and 
set themselves up for the next hours of the day because your nervous system is already working on overdrive. And so catching up with your system, sometimes you need a 20 minute nap or a meditation. And for me, you know, a meditation can be like what Esther's talking about. I love a meditation walking because I've got Central Park and there's nothing better than to go take a walk in Central Park and just be in nature. And that gives you a chance to regroup, reboot, and refresh yourself so that you can go to the next parts of your day. And some of it has been also, uh, anytime we have somebody who's seen in the spotlight a great deal help, it makes a difference from Dr. Wall to Christina Applegate to Selma Blair, whose son, who's a rocker, has MS. I'm forgetting his name from London. There are a lot of people that are standing up and saying, I am handling this. I believe that we are on the right path. And I think that that's really helpful. What can you share that you've learned that would help people that are just diagnosed? Well, I think if you can possibly get into that IMSMP, they can really help because they're more of an integrative practice. So they look at the various issues that you need to consider from your physical exercise to the food you eat. And they also help with medication and, and directive on how to stay on top of things. So I, I rely on them. And I also think, you know, focusing on staying active really helps like doing physical therapy twice a week. They always say that's like the most important thing you can do is to stay up on that. And I've worked with a trainer who I find really helpful and he pushes me within reason. And, you know, if, if I have to grab his arm and walk from machine to machine with a little assistance, it's worth it to me. Um, You know, he's a very nice guy, but he pushes me. And I, I feel like I also take some time, like right now I'm sitting on the couch, you know, I have to put my feet up for 20 minutes. If I know that I have a workout and then I have physical therapy coming in my day, I need to have breaks. And it's just important to be kind to yourself, give yourself, show yourself some grace and allow yourself to feel how you're feeling and move through it. Don't just push and push and don't focus on how you're actually feeling and spend time with friends, you know, make sure that's also a priority in your week along with work. You know, it helps to put your mind on things and most people work is a big part of their lives and you have to try to keep that going. It is amazing to hear that you're, again, I like this phrase, grabbing the bull by the horns and saying, this is my body, it's my life, and I'm going to do all the things that I can do to make a difference. Just to note, the IMSMP here in New York is not affiliated with a hospital, and that means that dreaded word of being out of pocket. That's why I think it's also great that Esther also goes to the Cleveland Clinic and in Philadelphia, they have some of the best over at Penn. So look in your area for MS specialists, not just a neurologist, but really, really look for an MS specialist. You need somebody who that's all they study. And he or she is really, really grounded in that 
it helps a great deal. There's depression and anxiety with MS. You know, we're sort of feeling like, what do I do? Well, how do I work? Well, how do I go on? And you're hearing from Esther and you hear from me, you go through the pity party at the beginning. There's no way you're not going to go through that pity party. And you decide how long that is going to last. And when you really want to find ways to make lifestyle changes, to make your life the best it can be, then you're ready to go out there and the doctors know that you'll do better. It's also important to look at meditation. It's important to look at stress relief because it's stressful to have this. And the less stress we have in our systems because it's the nervous system, the better off we are. We see things with Lyme disease. That is another that attacks the neurological system and graves. There is a number of neurological conditions that really benefit from keeping the inflammation down. I think most chronic conditions would actually benefit from keeping any inflammation down because it would mean that the disease has a chance to just be at zero as opposed to always going up and down and up and down and up and down. Easy to say, but I think that it's important to look at, like Esther said, going to Pilates, going to the gym, working with a trainer, working with a physical therapist. I think it makes a big difference because you start to feel better about you, right, Esther? You start to feel like I'm taking an active role. And, you know, one of the worst feelings is to feel unable to do things, to feel incompetent. But when you start mastering physical activities, you to push myself. Yeah, it's just one of those things where you don't want to feel underconfident and unable to do things. So allowing yourself to relearn certain physical activities, build your ability to do those things helps you feel more competent and in charge of yourself. And that's very important to feel. Yeah. And I know, I know your wish is to get back on the court to play tennis. And I like that you have a goal. So there's too many good things going on. Do you work at all with the uh, National MS Society? I do. I listen to a lot of podcasts with them. I have a contact in Philadelphia with the National MS Society. And, you know, he just lets me know of any developments that I haven't noted. But generally, I find like I hear from them every week. And it's, it's just good to get that newsletter and know what's happening and, you know, stay abreast of all the newest developments. I think so. I think, you know, the National MSI is such a huge organization and, you know, they have their walks, they have their bike run and the the walk run. And I think that people need to know more about MS. It's an October awareness month. That's when MS is sort of looked at. And we want a lot of doctors working on the cause and the cure. We want them to keep working on it because who knows what person's going to open that door. You know, she spoke of the doctor at Cleveland Clinic and somebody, it doesn't matter. There's people in every state. If you're in a small, more rural area, go and source out the bigger cities near you and find out what's going on in them. You can always 
turn to the MS Society. They have long lists of every state because they are hooked in. And we're hoping that you were inspired by us talking about ways to be given a diagnosis of a chronic condition that's going to affect your lifestyle, but saying, you know what? Gosh darn it, I'm going to go out there, do whatever I can, and keep myself as well as I can. And I know that they're going to find what they're going to find. We are in 2022, guys. So as far as I'm concerned, we're around the corner because we've had MS for a long time. But really, there's been such a push and such a desire to, as she said, eradicate this illness, this disease. And I use the word condition instead of illness because I'm more comfortable with it. But everybody's going to have their moment with it. And symptoms, all of your symptoms, if you have a lot of symptoms at the beginning, that doesn't mean they're going to stay. It could be that even if you just had two, they may change. Don't be scared of that. Just know that it's a fluid condition. And sometimes, like with drop foot, it can get better and it can get worse. You can be wearing a brace on the leg. I have a carbonite brace for my leg. And it helps me a lot when I have long distances to do here in New York or I'm going away on vacation and want to be able to walk a lot. But you want to make sure that you don't give in to, oh, I'm sick. No, you have a condition that's an illness that we know what it is and take action and do what you can because there's too much going on out there in this chronic condition for us to not be positive and be hopeful and know that Esther and I, it's going to happen during our lives and the sooner the better, right? Absolutely. I feel like 2023 is going to be a great year. I'm very optimistic. I feel like more treatments will become available by that time. And, you know, I, I look forward to that. I'm, I'm up for it. You know, I I love it. I'm ready to get back to myself. Just being able to walk would be a real victory for me. And I, I know I'm going to get there. And let me just do a sidebar. You should know that most people don't know about patient advocates. So what was important, Esther and I met because my friend and Esther's sister were friends and they grew up in Pennsylvania and they were talking and my girlfriend said to her sister, I know this woman who's a patient advocate, maybe she has some ideas for your sister, Esther. So we ended up talking together and we ended up really communicating and I was more than happy to help getting her into the IMSMP because it makes a difference. And that's why I want you guys to keep listening because I'm going to have a number of patient advocates on because they can share information from all states. I have somebody from Nevada, from Chicago, somebody from Texas, because if you need that help and that guidance, you can have that. Family are advocates for you, but sometimes you need a stronger person out there who knows the maze of the healthcare landscape. And don't hesitate. There is something called NAHC, N-A-H-A-C.com. They also have a division.org now, and they have a National Association of Patient Advocates. They will find you one in your area. So don't hesitate. Lots of times people have specialties. So look and see what people are doing. If you need help with 
the craziness of a chronic condition of build that you're getting, don't not reach out to someone. If you're going into Medicare and you have a chronic condition, you want to know how that's going to work or a Medicaid and you need more help, really turning to a patient advocate will make a difference. And some of them are nurses, some of them are doctors, some of them are experts and spent years in health insurance, and they know all the ways to get around and through. And that's really important for a lot of people. Nobody wants to be hit with a you know, slew of bills. And you want to be able to afford to do the things like going on vacations and having your life and working and being with your grandkids and your family. And I don't want people to not know you can reach out to that next layer of help. Sometimes they're called healthcare advocates. Sometimes they're called patient advocates, navigators. Whatever way you get there, find someone, if you need that support, to go after it. It's really, really helpful. And I was glad to have fallen into the world of patient advocacy because I understand now how many people just need to be guided to become better advocates for themselves, to understand that if a doctor is not explaining something in a way that the patient is, you know, you yourself, the patient is understanding, or you're the caregiver with them, ask for the doctor to reframe it, to say it in a different way that you can help comply and help yourself be the best that you can be. So on that note, what is there anything else? I, I just a- want to say Michelle is a wonderful advocate. And I like to call that position the quarterback, <laughs> the person that sort of executes on the game plan. Like you might have some ideas of what you want, but if you go to an advocate, they can execute and get that plan accomplished. And that is huge. I mean, it makes a tremendous difference for people. What Michelle does is so vital and important. And and I'm just at the beginning of my career. I'm going to speak to a woman who's been doing this for 25 years in the uh, Los Angeles area. And she is genius at what she does. I mean, just genius. So on that note, I thank you so much. It's been wonderful to be able to share you, especially being someone who's new to this. and. You guys, everybody is at different phases. Do your best and find out what you can do personally and integratively and then find the best doctors and reach out to people. Always keep reaching out. I'm so glad her sister reached out to my friend and that we were hooked up together. We worked together. When you work with an advocate, it's not for life. Most of us, we're not working with you for life. We're working with you to help you through periods of time where you may need an advocate. And as you know more, you can walk away and you can come back to us. So on that note, have a great day. And Esther, thank you so much for dropping by. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Have a good day. You too. Have a great day, Michelle. Thanks again. Take care. It was great to talk to Esther Book, who got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2021, and another person, a friend who I grew up in Southfield, Michigan with, who I stood up in her wedding, who we both were in the fine arts. She was a dancer, and I was in the theater when we were growing up. And life sometimes delivers you something you didn't expect. So, This is Lori Bookstein-Weinstein, 
And I always use her, her full name because I only really know her as Lori Bookstein. And I know Neil Weinstein, even though it's been decades. Hi, Lori. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad to help out and give you whatever information no, you need. You know what? You're going to help a lot of people who are listening to the radio show. And Lori is in Arizona. She just became a grandmother for the second time and has a little granddaughter along with her grandson. So there's lots of action there. But Lori, a lot of good things. A lot of good things. A lot of good things. And what's also really important is Lori was diagnosed in the 80s. We didn't know as much as we do today in the 1982. 80s. Unbelievable. And where were you living? I was living in Chicago. My husband was going to in school and something that you'd be in such good shape for, you would never think that the, this would happen. And life goes on. So what happened? I know you were in, you were in college for dancing, correct? I was, but then I was working as an x-ray tech. Oh, that's right. I I was an x-ray tech at Grant Hospital in Chicago. Okay. And I was at the hospital. And then one night I had slurred speech and I had, I couldn't use my right leg. I was dragging it and never expecting to have to see a neurologist and here I was doing x-ray, but CAT scans, and I knew all the neurologists, so I just saw them a different way now. <laughs> Were you at the hospital when, when your symptoms started? Yes. I was and, working so the was, night You working the night shift. shift. Okay. And one night I had slurred speech, and I was dragging my foot, and... Somebody said something. Or did you have to say something? And I just, I had slurred speech and I, I came home and Neil had people over and I just, I just thought maybe I was tired Mm. and wasn't better in the morning. So then I contacted different neurologists that I knew from work at the hospital. Right. And did you go to MS neurologist first or just a general neurologist? Well, I knew the different neurologists with MS because I worked in CAT scans. Oh, there you go. (laughs) I knew who to go to. Wow. And so I said, you know, it's a good thing that you worked in medicine at the hospital because, you know, it sort of saved you having to do something that most people who are recently diagnosed have to do, and that is to research who they're going to see. So you got very fortunate. So I, I had my choice of different doctors. (laughs) And did you have any other symptoms as, you know, did you have an MRI first? Did you have a, what happened with them in the 80s? What they did in the, in 82, they had a CAT scan. They did not have MRIs. MRIs used to be called NMR and the public went crazy with nuclear magnetic resolution. Yeah. They changed it to NMR. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, so I've been in the medical field a long time to know that. <laughs> you have, and also your husband is in for ophthalmology. So you're surrounded by people who work <laughs> in the business. Yeah. So how long were you in uh, Chicago with this diagnosis? We were there three, 
I was there two and a half years, three and a half years because Neil was in school. And then he said enough of winter. And so we no, but enough of cold winter, because we always think Michigan and Chicago is cold. And being right off the lake in Chicago was not my favorite. No. <laughs> now, did you go back to work once you had the diagnosis? What happened? I, I did go back to work. I had, at the time, I had a CAT scan and a spinal tap. And they knew within three days what was wrong with me. And I know every case is different. Yes, which is, say, which is good. Good and bad, because everyone has different symptoms, right? And so when I, I have a friend that said they don't know what's wrong with her. And I'm like, they knew in three days, as soon as my spinal tap came back, they knew it. Amazing. Amazing. What were they able to do in the 80s for you? What kind of medical help could they give you in the 80s? In the 80s, they put me on prednisone. Okay. So so they took, they gave you steroids to take down the inflammation. So I thought I was going to gain weight, you know? (laughs) <laughs> I think all women do. Sorry, but yes. So I I was off for a short time period. I went through physical and occupational therapy and I went back to work. Okay. And when you moved, you moved west over to Arizona, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. Which is where you reside now. In Arizona, in the warmth. I just stay out of the heat but eight months a year it's fabulous that's good and I know you've always swam and that's an important physical activity correct for you for me the swim has been the panacea I I heat the water when it gets cold here in the in the winter but I swim I used to do an hour and now I swim for a half an hour every day and I just keeps me moving. Which is important because, you know, I always say this, we are not our disease. We have it. That's all. So we That's choose, so, right? And I travel all over the world. And so I just, just had to make sure I have handicap accessibility when I go away. Right. And so, but I don't stop. Yeah. And when they started to create the ABC drugs, as I said, when I was speaking to Esther, did you start on Avonex or Betaserin or Capaxin? I started on Avonex and then I went on Betaserin and Copaxin. Then I did a Rebif. And then currently I did. What are you in, Ocrevus? Uh, I did two years of an IV infusion. And I don't have to be on anything else now. You're done. You're done. I'm, d- I'm done. Yes, I know that you went on IV infusion. I think it was Ocrevus that you yes. did every six months. Yes. Yeah. So that's for that's a great drug now. But we're talking 40 years, you know? And That's a long time. Yeah. But if you guys saw my girlfriend, she looks fabulous. Even though there are times when we're going to the museum or we have long distances, she uses a very chic wheelchair. We were talking with Esther about the very chic walking sticks that Christina Applegate is carrying around now that she's been diagnosed with MS and they're quite, they're quite chic, which is fun. Well, I'd say with my walker, when we go to an art fair, when I have my own seat. No, 
Yeah. And it's much easier. You know, it's, it, but you've kept, you know, your, kept your health and kept your body moving. And, you know, she's the same size pretty much as she was when I knew her at her wedding. So some people are able to just go, you know what? I'm going to use that discipline. I think it's helped you. That doesn't mean I that swim, you- I swim. So I actually okay. had to go from a four to a six. And That's terrible. Because- oh my God. From a four to a six, ladies, don't even be jealous. Don't even bother. <laughs> but, uh, but, I- but she was a dancer. Remember, she was a dancer. So her body was her tool. So she has I've always respect. kept active and so I I haven't swam over the weekend so I will tomorrow yeah and how has it been with Neil having the support of Neil your husband he's good and he we have a housekeeper and she's my caregiver and so she's able to take me shopping so he doesn't have to go <laughs> <laughs> But he was great in the beginning, especially when you guys were just, you know, getting, Absolutely. you know, in, in Chicago and stuff. I know that, you know, he really, really helped you. And he he's your husband. And it's how many decades later and how incredible you have two sons. We have two sons and two grandchildren. And and he's been there all along. And life now, keeps going, right? You know, I used to scuba dive. He does that all the time. And I I don't think it's clearly to do that. So I don't do that anymore. So he yeah. goes on scuba diving with that scuba trips without me. That's okay. How many, you've traveled a lot of places. Do you have favorite places? Do you have places that were easier to be in a wheelchair than other places? I would say favorite places, Italy and Israel went to Japan instead of going, they wanted to go scuba dive in Indonesia and it wasn't accessible for me. So I couldn't go there. <laughs> Life is rough. <laughs> but you've been a lot of places and, um, you know, you've made it work. You know, I have I've been to every continent except Antarctica. Okay. And we'll send you to the penguins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been very fortunate to travel as much as we have and and everyone's helpful yeah and you should just know guys when i was diagnosed i had a very weird diagnosis of sort of telling me that some people may say that i have ms instead of just bloody telling me what it was and i sort of stumbled for a couple of months and then I read something in the New York Times in a supplement about MS. And as I'm reading it, I realized I have MS. Oh, yeah, I have MS. So what was important was I was able to reach out to Lori. So being able to reach out to people and have her take me through what that meant was really, really important. That was 2000. And it meant a lot to me to be able to hear how people were. I knew how she was. I knew that she was doing well. Yes. Do we all start to not be able to do everything that we did? Yeah, pretty much. Most people. Um, Right. And also with a chronic condition, you have to be more careful. Not She wasn't doing scuba diving forever. She hasn't been doing it for the last couple of years, but she did it for a long time. 
then it affects because you're taking air in through a oxygen tank. It's not the best thing. But if that was the trade-off that she just didn't do that anymore, I think that's a pretty good trade-off. I know that the swimming was so important. That's why I found Pilates. And that's why Esther Book works with a trainer and she does Pilates. And we want you to hear different stories. And I wanted you to hear Lori as well, because Lori is in secondary progressive. That's what it's called. Lori is not bedridden like primary progressive. But as we get older, it moves because the body uh, changes. But I really, other than even with me 20 years later, sometimes we do. We struggle for a word. We look for a word and we have to find it. Sometimes we double up on things. And that's what you depend on your friends and family for, to help you through that kind of stuff. But we have full lives. And I don't want anyone to think that this is a death sentence. Right, Lori? This is not a death sentence. You know, I, I don't dance. I used to ski. I was a great skier, but I still swim. And I'm able to do everything with the kids. And so, and, and life goes on. And it does. And life goes on, guys. You don't make it about your chronic condition. You make it about you. And always have those people who inspire you around yourself. And I'm very lucky that I've known Lori since I'm a little girl. And even though we went different paths and I ended up in New York and she ended up in Arizona, it's important to surround yourself from all places with people. Her mom and her two sisters are a huge support. I get to see her when she comes into New York for theater. And normally her sister Peggy is with her and we get to get together or go to a museum. And that's important that you keep moving, you keep doing, and you should hear it from both ends. So over 40 years and less than four years, you heard. And I want you to be inspired by that. Source out the people who are positive, who say, I can do this. I want to do this. I have done this. Because we're all going through something and everybody's symptoms make it different, right? That is correct. I know I have a girlfriend out here. Her husband didn't want to deal with this. So she's still married, but so she has an estranged husband, but he's paid for everything. So well, that's a good thing. So at least money is an issue. Well, it's good. And as you're hearing, there's different stories, different people, but she kept working for a long period of time and Esther's still working. And we figure out how to handle our chronic condition. You know, some people do, they walk away and they can't handle it. And that doesn't mean that's your journey. So those of you with any chronic condition, keep yourself in a positive light and keep looking at things as a glass half full, right? Yes. You know, like who has utopia doesn't exist out there. So just be as positive as you can and you want to be there for your family and for your friends and, and just keep going. Yep. I think that's important. And that's why I did a two interview today. So have a great one. Lori, thank you for coming out of the pool and whatever you're doing today to speak to us and have a good day in Arizona. Thank you. It's beautiful here. And I keep moving like I do every day. I love it. Thank you.